I don't know. It must be difficult having wee cats arses for eyes, though, you know what I mean? Davros gets it. Almost ever the two of them. That's the episode title. Cats arses for eyes. (laughs) It's like cash for gold, but not as good. (laughs) No. You two ready? Yep. Yes. Okay, let's go then. Oh, I've got a jazz Doctor Who theme I could use. <laughs> Do you think there's a Doctor Who jazz magazine? <laughs> Probably under Tom Baker's bed, yeah. Tom Baker's oh, Doctor yeah. Who jazz mag. <laughs> pictures and pictures of Lala Ward. Oh no, can you even imagine? <laughs> Double page spread. While Adric peers through the curtains behind her. <laughs> that way I'll never know if I was right. <laughs> Oh, Christ. One of the most successful BBC television shows has got to be Doctor Who, and the theme music has gone straight in this week at number 27. It comes from Mankind. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the corner of Doctor Who fandom that holds your hand in these strange and unnerving times of global pandemics, mass unrest and, most startlingly of all, John Barrowman not only appearing on an episode of QI, but winning it. It's the Polis Box, the podcast that puts Doctor Who in the dock. I'm Lee. I'm Dave. And I'm still Cameron. (laughs) Last time we checked. Last time I checked. So, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise switching on BBC2 the all night to find John Barrowman and... uh, the second most brainiest quiz in BBC2, I suppose you could call it, after Only Connect. Um, yeah, but I don't know if Only Connect is brainy, because it just doesn't make sense half the time. It's just, the thing about Only Connect is, you kind of like get frustrated, because they're going, just give the like the panels numbers. What's all this horned viper yeah. stuff going on? <laughs> just yeah. give it numbers! I'll have the twisted flax, please. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sure they're just going to make it up. I just want to go and Only Connect and just kind of go, can I have the... Um, Chocolate twist, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have the snake with the dilly boppers, please, Victoria. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, cheers. Yeah. Uh, but, aye, John Barrowman. But yeah, our, our congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, our congratulations must go to the man, the myth, the legend, John Barrowman, of successfully trouncing Alan Davis and Ashling B. Oh. Well done, John. Well done. Let's raise a glass to John. Yeah, he'd rather trounce Alan Davis, wouldn't he? <laughs> I think yeah. it, was a, it was a 50-50 choice, then, yeah, probably. Can you imagine the love child? Oh God! Thankfully, no. It would certainly. <laughs> yeah. It would certainly give a more sort of like um, interesting slant on Jonathan Creek if they ever rebooted it in the future. Would that be Jonathan Dark Road? 
And Cam, so, I, think it's, I think it's this point you go, Jesus. Yeah, it's probably going to be the traditional Jesus kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Shall, shall, shall we pull this out of my ear then? Shall we get, shall we get on with the I've business? I've got one more. Oh, go on then. Okay, right, go. A child that bites homeless men on the face in a really flamboyant way. Because <laughs> that's what Al Davies got done for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we can raise the tone. Have you got out of your system? Are you okay? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's it this yeah, I'll continue weeping out as we progress. <laughs> okay, uh, right, let's get on with what happened the last time then. Episode 24, we had resurrection of the Daleks on trial. Uh, so, shall we do the result of that? Yes, let's Probably do it. an idea. Let's find out what happened and the consequences thereof. So, we asked you, resurrection of the Daleks, is it guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who? Yes, it is. Clo- Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. It was a close one, this. It was very close. It looks that way, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm now trying to remember if I voted or not. I hope I did. It's too late now, Dave. The results are in. The results are guilty, 54%. Not guilty, 46%. So Cameron takes that one. Yeah. And as a result of which, she gets to uh, pick what happens when we draw the next episode from the Envelopes of Justice. So your fate, Dave, is in Cameron's hands for next time. That's fine. I can, accept, I can accept that. Can't accept the result, but I can accept Cameron's responsibility. That's fine. That's okay. Good. Good. I'm glad we're upholding this court of law. Yeah. Time to sign up for some sock puppet accounts on Twitter. I'll win the next one. <laughs> Ali, I'd like to point out that I didn't vote this time with the Conquistador one. Oh, that's it. Throw a subtle plug in for your other podcast. <laughs> didn't even need to vote. <laughs> Ooh, I've been mentioned in the sun. <laughs> yeah, so far they didn't know my name, but they got the description pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> but it was three years ago now and you're not on the run anymore so you know yep. <clears throat> for the record the court would like to point out that being mentioned the son is not a badge of honour or something you should be proud of yep. alright dad <laughs> <laughs> right before Cameron gets far too big for his boots for his most famous podcast that he does shall we go on with this episode yeah let's crack on Okay, we're going back to 1979 for this one. It's uh, Tom Baker episode. We're going to be doing Destiny of the Daleks. It is an essential qualification that all crew members are in peak condition. Oh, so yeah, part of their training. Well, excuse me. Well, now I told you a little bit about myself. What about you? What brings you? What's this planet called, by the way? You don't know. No, no, I had a little trouble with my direction. You made a forced landing. Not a world one would visit from choice. The planet is listed in our star catalogue as D5 Gamma Z Alpha. Well, that's not much help. I'm terribly old-fashioned. I prefer names. I believe the planet is called Skara. Skara? Until the Daleks' universal supremacy is accomplished, I cannot allow myself the luxury of death. Oh, poor Davros. However, it is a luxury I shall delight in bestowing upon you. (laughs) You're very generous. Since my entombment, I have no knowledge of the advancement of my Daleks. Of course, they have achieved great things. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They've wreaked havoc and destruction, destroyed countless innocent lives. Only the beginning! Now I have returned. The campaign will begin in earnest. I have slept, but now I have awakened, and the universe will be sorry.
So, Destiny of the Daleks was written by Terry Nation, directed by Ken Grieve, produced by Graham Williams and script edited by Douglas Adams, starred Tom Baker as the Doctor, Lilla Ward as Romana, David Goodison as Davros, Tim Barlow as Tissin, Peter Straker as Commander Shirell, and Suzanne Daniel as Agella. It was broadcast between the 1st and 22nd, sorry, the 1st and 22nd of September 1979. The ratings for this one. Now, Hope you're sitting down for this. Brace yourselves. I also know the reason why the reins are like this. <laughs> Damn it. He's ahead of me. 13 million for part one. Right. 12.7 for part two. 13.8 million for part three. And 14.4 for part four. Now, Cameron and Fox Speedboat, can you tell us why this was? 1979. Um, no, I've got no idea. There's no sort Over of... Over the 70s. It was a time of civil unrest. Streets oh. were quiet. Towns were dark. <laughs> Dave remembers it well. I do. <laughs> I was. I don't. I wasn't even born in 1979. So. Oh no! Only if I've got a fancy mention in the Sun podcast. I'm younger than both of you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> do you know what? I think we should put Mark from on the timeline. There's a vacancy coming up here, Dave. I think. <laughs> Come on, come on. Um, <laughs> Dave, put him out yeah. easily, tell him why. Because ITV was off the air. They oh, were three weeks right. into their ten-week strike. Right, I see. So literally there was nothing else to watch. Yep, so thanks oh. to a bunch of Sparkies and uh, cameramen having a hissy fit over some pay, Doctor Who enjoyed my ratings. Yeah. Right, but it wouldn't happen now, would it? Can you imagine? With CBS crime and on strike... So here's an extra, here's an extra five thousand viewers for you. Everyone's yep. watching Sony Movie Channel instead. Yep. Everyone's Showing watching Ocean's Fifteen. Everyone's watching the schlocky sci-fi that appears on the horror channel during the day because the canny shows a gore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. That's the one. Oh, okay, so that's the stats for Destiny of the Daleks. Uh, Cameron, you're defending this one. I am. Diamond, yes. At, uh, Dave's behest. Dave, you're prosecuting. Before we. Before I start, can I actually point out that he, this was actually almost entirely written by Douglas Adams, allegedly. Mm. <clears throat> because supposedly the script they received was only like a rough sketch, and all of it was nonsense. So they brought Douglas Adams in for rewrites, and he basically wrote the whole thing. Which actually makes my job as the prosecution a bit harder, because I like Douglas Adams. <laughs> well, so do I, yeah. Um, it's also bizarre to look at this, and this doesn't have any kind of Douglas Adams sort of hallmark in it does it no really <laughs> um, the, the comedy in it is almost douglas adams lots of flipping one-liners and insightful jokes yeah but that's about that you can see through the comedy in there where the shelley was given isn't really his kind of story seem to remain no there's no kind of madcap antics going on with regarding you know like buying and selling of planets and whatnot. Mm. yeah but, which is a bit of a refreshing change in this series well, yeah. Considering what's to come. Aye. <laughs> Considering some of what's in this, like, the, the overarching theme of this felt quite dark to me in places. There was a lot of shootings and close-ups of bodies on the ground and stuff like that. Well, it's not quite as everyone's going to die as much as Resurrection was last time we recorded. 
Um, no. But yes, I, I can I can accept that what you mean. The overall kind of like there is a consistent howling lonely wind noise that goes through the entirety of this in this the whole four episodes. It's actually almost Dickensian. Yes, it's kind of like it makes you feel like you've kind of left a door open somewhere in your house because <laughs> that's all you seem to be able to hear in some places. But anyway, the first uh, our first opening scene is that the doctor is tending to the tin dug. As he mm-hmm. coughs, not sadly his last death throes with coronavirus, <laughs> but just has a mild laryngitis apparently. How a machine can get laryngitis, we won't know. This is also uh, and how how can it be defined as laryngitis? Because that's like a throat disease. Yeah. It, it could be any other kind of infection, but it it doesn't have a working throat. It's really oh you've got rust on your speaker, Karine. Stay here, we'll wash it off. But laryngitis, it doesn't have a larynx. No. I don't quite know how that achieved, but anyway, thankfully it's sort of the only appearance of K9 in this entire story, really. So, not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who, join us next time for episode 26 <laughs> of the Polis Box. Yay, there we go. And then we have the uh, regeneration scene with uh, the new Romana, who... Hmm. Um, well, regenerations scene. Well, yeah, regenerations. Yeah. I have put down here, it's probably the most calm and collected regeneration in Doctor Who history. <laughs> There's absolutely no trauma here at all. <laughs> there's no well, great. Well, yeah, there's, there is, but there's no. Yeah, we'll 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 bypass the somewhat horrendous aged, very poorly transsexual joke that crops up here. <laughs> oh, must <Yeah>. we? <laughs> yes, we probably must. You guys are no fun. Because. Oh my god, I kind of like my jaw was on the floor for that one going, really? They're really going to go there? And then you get the Tom Baker thing of going, oh no, just no, no. And yeah, and uh, it ends up um, being uh, Romana finally settles on a, on the body that she's going to be taking up for the rest of her time on the TARDIS. Despite at one point being dressed like Tom Baker, which is a little bit creepy, but what they get up to in their own times entirely up to themselves. They land on a mystery planet. They don't quite know what it is yet, but it seems to be. Of, uh, they seem to have to go there. And the Doctor gets. Yeah, the Doctor just hits a random one. Yeah, it's, it was this when the, yeah. the was this when the TARDIS was fitted with a randomizer. Yeah, I think the previous series of key time the randomizers put in place to stop the Black Guardian tracking them. I think it is. Yeah, isn't it? There's some sort of convoluted reason for it being there. Yeah, and which makes no sense. No, it's just that they have to go wherever the tower just happens to land on. Oh, 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 can I guess? Is it a fucking quarry in Wales? <laughs> Why, You're yes, wrong, Rom- it's a quarry in Dorset. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why, yes, Roman, it's a quarry. So they end up in this mystery planet walking around what essentially looks like a quarry in Dorset. Um, the ground is shaken and there are tremors. Um, not the kind, not the movie with Kevin Bacon with the with the worms. But um, you know, vibrations through the ground. Movies. There's four Tremors movies, at least. I think maybe five. There's only I've one. I've got them all. There's only. I bet you have. There's only one decent one though. Tremors three, Return to Perfection. <laughs> really? Kevin Bacon's only <laughs> in one of them though. <laughs> Where are we? Here? I know he's joking about phoning Mark earlier on, but I think this might be his conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the real trial begins. Is Tremor three any good? Uh, yeah. So. The, um, That's it, he says yes it is. <laughs> they're hiding around the corner, Roman and the Doctor, and then they see that these little group of people come round and, uh, with a dead body, and they end up not so much burying it as just sticking it under lots of rocks. 
And um, yeah. then after they've disappeared rather quickly, I might add, because it seems to be the camera cuts away to them to have like two sentences and then cuts back and all these people are gone. And the doctor decides to have what is effectively an unplanned exhumation of the body. Um, it's not really an exhumation, he's just moving some polystyrene off the top. Let's well, be yeah, 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 pretty much, pretty much. Um, uh, I've got down here. Enough, they had buried the guy with his ID badge right on top of his chest. Yeah, well, you know, that's what you got to do, it's tradition. Come on, Dave, come on. Yep. Um, I've got down here, this is a very steady pace set in the first couple of scenes of this. Um, this is Doctor Who, who, you know, these days we have um, Doctor Who that has to get, you know, slam, bang, done in 45 minutes. Whereas these are, we're well in the days now where, you know, stories had a lot of time to breathe. And this has taken <laughs> a lot of time to breathe. This is like, you know, like leaving leaving a, a, a good whiskey at sort of room temperature to actually, you know, enhance the flavour. It's almost a mindfulness session, the amount of long breaths that are going in in this story. There is. There's something very much <laughs> Russian. practically yoga. <clears throat> there's, pra- there's a bit of Russian cinema going on here, but you just don't know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's it's an analogy for communism. No, never mind. Um, <laughs> so, they then decide to... Um, they're, they're on the way back to the TARDIS to find out, you know, what's going on and get some more equipment or something like that, if I remember rightly. And, um, no, I, I think they're still at the body when they see the flying saucer. I was going to say there's flying saucer next that kind of comes down, and uh, they are um, it kind of like lands, but then digs. There's a drill comes out the bottom and it starts drilling down the way. Um, to... And let's be fair, there's some good model work going on there. Yeah, totally. There, and there a is. story that's kind of bereft of decent special effects. That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the tremors effect earlier, where you could see their feet and the rocks shaking underneath their feet. That was well done. I quite like that. Yeah. There's that. There's a lot of good stuff done with very little here, but... They're a bit iffy on the size of the ship in the sort of scale of it, though, because when you look up in the sky, you actually think it's going to be... I actually thought it was a drone to begin with. It's like, oh, here's a wee drone yeah. thing come... Oh, no, it's actually it's a big ship. Because there's nothing yeah. really to compare it to in the initial shots where it's flying down if through, like, blue sky. Yeah, and then yeah, it's doesn't... landed, and the doctor goes, "That must be at least a mile away." It must be at least yeah, a mile away. Oh, finger t- touching it. it has... There's not really much of an attempt to make this planet seem ominous in any way. I mean, it's kind of like, like Tom Baker and Lyle Ward's holiday films of just strolling through some quarries and some derelict former National Trust properties. It's what all. I mean, fair enough, it's a sunny day, but you could create a bit of atmosphere. It's what all romantic of... weekends are built of, like. <laughs> you know, come come and have a look around the quarry, darling. <laughs> Cameron, where should we go this weekend? I know, let's go to an irradiated planet full of runes. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? There's... Claire's a lucky woman. She is. Oh, all the time. All the time. Um, there's no quarry, she's no scene. Um, so the uh, ship, as we say, starts digging down, and the Doctor then decides to slide down this hillside to get closer to it. But mysteriously, um, Romana just appears uh, at his side when he yeah. gets to the bottom of it. So I'm guessing that Lala Ward refused to go sliding down the side of this mess. The hill. I hadn't planned it until I just jumped. Probably, yeah, he does he, he does seem to sort of hurl himself down the side and then sort of almost catch up on himself. There's a bit of kind of like yeah. controlled initially, but then the whole thing kind of he kind of tumbles down the rest of it. We then discover that there are um, mines, total mines, big explosions going on um, all around the place. So the Doctor and Roman end up hiding in with like a little kind of alcovey bit that they find. But because of the vibrations, the Doctor ends up getting squashed underneath uh, a big slab. Polystyrene. Of polystyrene, yes, but there we go. 
I've got here Wobbly wobbly polystyrene Romana goes off to uh, try and find K9 But is closely followed by John Leslie Sorry, <laughs> sorry, no It's, it's um, what's his name, Tyson isn't it? But you don't know that Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? I mean, you've got, you've got a point there. She has been pursued by an older man with possible nefarious intent, so it's a little bit of foreshadowing of the next 18 months of Lalibor's life. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, she, they're prepping her up for it, certainly. And then they end up... The TARDIS is now covered in rocks, so she can't actually get into it. And um, the, ro- the rocks that they find really easy to move when she goes back later with the Doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, me- it does have a terrible habit of parking in the most impractical places, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's bound to be a car park in this National Trust property they're visiting. So why not just put it there? It'll probably it'll be, for a, it'll be a single, you know, for a single yellow line. It's probably a Sunday. It'll, it'll be fine. fine. No, I'll get it. It's usually the car park's next to the gift shop, anyway. Usually, hmm. <clears throat> as long yeah. as you can find that, you're all right. Grand. We then get our first appearance of uh, the Movellans because they end up finding um, the Doctor. Now... Yeah, because he's just lying there reading a book. He's lying there reading a book about the beginnings of the universe and um, yeah. saying, well... That not would... written by Richard Dawkins. No, 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 not written by no, Richard Dawkins. it's actually written by a character from uh, Douglas Adams. Is it? The Dave. name of the author in the book is actually a Douglas Adams character. Is it? All right, Dave. I didn't know that. I don't yeah. want to let daylight in upon magic on your... your uh, your defence of this story. But have you watched this with the production notes on? No, I had a look at Wikipedia this afternoon. <laughs> Full depth journalism there. <laughs> you could work for the sun. Yeah. It's quite a sun. Cameron's friends. <laughs> yeah. The Doctor ends yeah. up being lifted. Phony M. Yeah, the, the Doctor ends up being lifted by the Movellans. Now, do we choose this moment to discuss the Movellans' appearance? Or shall we wait a while for that one? <laughs> Style choices matter. I think now is a good time. I mean, they do say it's essential for all crew members to be in peak condition and look fabulous. <laughs> look, yeah, because you've got to be good on that disco dance floor. Um, yeah. Now, regardless of what we say about the Movellans, right, they certainly have a unique look about them. And here we are, what, 41 years later, able to remember them as not so much, they weren't really a Doctor Who bad guy. They're more just like there to go against the Daleks, and they, they, they haven't really got great evil intent, but uh, against the Doctor anyway. But um, they're certainly memorable in their look and their stylings. Um, so can we? I'll put that forward as a positive about the villains. It's rare that we've seen them. I don't remember any other. Is there another story other than this where you actually see them? I think this is their only appearance up until yeah. oh now what is it? Peter Capaldi episode. They make a cameo in it. Yeah, really quick. Uh, the pilot, that's it. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but up until now and you know beyond, they they they've been mentioned. Obviously, they get mentioned in Resurrection a lot because this events of this would feed into Resurrection. But you yeah. never actually see them. Um, so we know why. You'd have to go some modernise that design for not a new Who, wouldn't it? <laughs> but um, yeah, so they're certainly a unique um, force in Doctor Who lore, should we say? Um, and for that, I'd put them as a bit of a plus, you know? <laughs> I, I sense Dave's about to disagree with you here, Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm getting is that it, feeling as well. Is everyone else's audio okay? Because I can hear some real scraping of a barrel going on at my end. <laughs> no? Not to mention no, tart fine. polishing. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know what you're on about, Dave. What are you on about? The inherent racism in their outfits. 
the let's have black people with beads in their hair. If it's good enough for Rick James, it's good enough for them. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what they went for. They were going for caricatures of a culture with all white furniture, like Barry White. I think, um, regrettable looking back on it, definitely. Yes, it is. But I think, obviously, they were probably using that 1970s BBC shorthand for mm. we need someone to have this sort of foreign force of people. Um, and let's... On balance, though, it's probably not Doctor Who's worst crime in terms of racial no, relations. No, in terms oh, of no. racial relations, no. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that wasn't it, it. Wasn't good. Yeah, I think it was the seventies version of ethnic, but clean. So yeah, let's have them in silver. Exactly, black people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the doctor is aboard the disco ship. He's told that it's not. They ask him what he's doing on this planet, because it is, and I quote, "not a world someone would visit by choice." Because the doctor at the moment doesn't really know where it is. Uh, the Mavellans have a really weird name for it, which I was going to write down, but then I've sort of skipped on by. Uh, but obviously, the Doctor knows it as Scarrow. So, dun dun dun. It's almost a shame that they had the episode title at the start, because if you knew about it, you 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 wouldn't know who it was until they said Scarrow, and then you go, oh, it's a Dalek story. It's a Dalek, yeah. yeah. So you what you would have yeah. just as episode one. Uh. <laughs> well, I, this I is something that happens a lot during the history of Doctor Who that the, cl- the end of episode one cliffhanger where you reveal it to the Daleks or the Cybermen yeah. is completely harpooned by the title of the story. Yeah, yeah. Something they don't really get right until about Earthshock, which makes no mention of the Cybermen whatsoever. And that does come as a genuine surprise the first time you watch it. Yeah. Without yeah. any sort of previous knowledge. So. But you can see why, because that's what they did with stories. You put the title of the story at the start. Makes sense. Yeah. It just doesn't really help with the suspense of the reveal of Scarrow. Uh, so what, it begs the obvious question, what would you have called this if you weren't going to call it Destiny the Daleks? All aboard the disco Nick. bus. Oh, that would work. <laughs> and everyone's like, where's the disco bus? It's on Scarrow. Death disco. Exactly. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Imagine that. Yeah. Could John Lydon guest appearance, it'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Jab Wobble is a Mavellan. Incredible. Um, Simon Bates standing in the corner looking confused. <laughs> Buster Bloodvessel as Davros. Oh, <laughs> that would have been amazing, actually. I'm genuinely imagining that now. That'd be incredible. Oh, <laughs> if only John Nathan Turner was still with us, that'd be the pantomime to end all pantomimes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Most punk pantomime. Um, I think because you've used the P word, John Barman would now turn up. <laughs> Romana. Just to be clear, you mean pantomime, yeah? Yes. <laughs> okay. Although I think, yes. I think it might also turn up at the mention of Disco Bus. <laughs> Probably. I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Romana runs to back to where she found the Doctor. The Doctor's no longer there because obviously she doesn't know he's been taken away by the Mavellans. Um, Tyson sort of flies into the room, obviously looking a bit threatening, a bit pale, a bit uh, wild-eyed. And Romana ends up going um, arse over to doing a mineshaft and lands at the bottom and she wanders around a little bit at the bottom and there's vibrations going through the wall in front of her and through the wall smash the Daleks well two of them three of them maybe and uh, that's yeah. your cliffhanger for the end of episode one is basically Romana having a wee bit of a squeal to herself whilst the Daleks are demanding about Wero where is she and who is she and they'll come with her yeah 
over and over and over and over again. Yes. How many times do you need to see do not move? They get well. The thing about that is she's not actually moving. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they say it. (laughs) Do not move. We mean it this time. (laughs) Do not move. Do not move. You're not moving. Good. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you for your compliance. Um, have a nice day. Um, yeah. So that's that's the end of episode one. So as I say, yeah, it's a slow burn episode. There's a lot of room for the story to breathe in this. At least Roman is not just following the doctor around and just being a sort of lapdog for their sort of. Uh, obviously, she's been in it before as a character, but this is her re- regeneration. So I think a lot of people forget that. You know, the doctor would be given sort of all sorts of excuses to sort of like as to why his behaviour might be erratic. But for Romana, has to hit the ground running and has to be the companion again. And she's doing a good job of it, you know. I mean, I, I don't think she's seen a Dalek before until this point. I could be wrong. Nope. No, it's televised. No. No, no. No. There you go. So, yeah, I think she's. Lala War's doing a really good job as Romana. Um, her story's obviously going to be a little bit separate from the Doctor's for a little while, so that's quite a good thing. And uh, I think it's quite a good little cliffhanger. Daleks. You can't argue with Daleks. While we're dealing in facts of Wikipedia, I did look up the cliffhanger, and if apparently if you place this cliffhanger and the trees end to end, it runs for longer than cut edition of Zulu. Nice. <laughs> it does go on a bit. Just a touch, yeah. So they didn't give them a villain spears, thank Christ. <laughs> that would have been a little bit step too far. No, they just had those weapons on their arm that look really pointy and almost like knives. Look out, he's got a knife. You saw it, he had a knife. I think they, oh, yeah, they, so. they kind of look a little bit like hair dryers in a weird way. Well, I said they keep those beautiful locks in condition. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's wondering what a hair dryer looks like, but you know, it's Dave. So. <laughs> now, now, order, order in the courtroom. <laughs> I, will not accept, I will not accept personal jibes. Okay, fair enough. Not in my bathlets. <clears throat> not with your hairline either. Um, Right, episode two? Yes. No, I'm going to finish slagging off episode one. Alright, okay, 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 cool. See, I thought it would have been better if the Daleks had come through the glass panel before we knew it was Scarrow. Because if they'd done hard down the shaft and the Daleks come out, we go, it's the Daleks, and then we cut to the Doctor finding out it's Scarrow, so we know before the Doctor does. Because as it is, something bursts through the wall, of course it's going to be Daleks from Scarrow, we all know this. And I think it could have worked better the other way around. So you're saying work a bit? Maybe so. You might have been robbing the Doctor of his moment of the Mavellans kind of casually just saying, oh, we know this planet is la 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 la. But others know it's Scarrow. And then the Doctor going, yeah. uh, you might have kind of taken the firepower out of that moment a little bit if you did it the other way around. I can see what you mean. It maybe would have been more effective yeah. long run. But Except the point in the prosecution that, that would be it would be robbed a little bit if you find out Scarrow is a planet beforehand and it takes away the impact of Daleks arriving. But you see, if we find out there's Daleks the there, we just know it's Daleks. Mm. And then we get the added bonus of knowing that yeah, it's Scarrow, there's, there's, home of yeah. the Daleks. There's not necess- well, obviously, Daleks can travel. We're not, they're not necessarily going to appear on just Scarrow. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. so it could now be now anyway. Scarrow, so of course it's a Dalek. I mean, if we get a Cyberman coming through, we'll be like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> you go, oh yeah, of course it's a Dalek. Even more confusing Come. if it was John Barrowman pirouetting through a wall. <laughs> that would have been all together. I'm here for the disco. I'm here for I, the disco troopers. It's all timey-wimey. I think John Barrowman being on the other side of the oddly vibrating wall would have been understandable. 
<laughs> well, quite possibly. Is this when we make a joke about how there's no holes in it? <laughs> I, I think. Ah, Jesus. Yep. <laughs> oh, how the tables that have was turned. Weird how we just places there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's real anymore. <laughs> we've, entered the, we've entered the twilight zone when me and Dave assuming this does. At least I'll know how to cook. Um, Freaky Thursday. Episode, yes. Have you finished with episode one? Yes. Yes, okay. Yes. Uh, so episode two, um, we are told that the, the prisoner is unarmed, whoever that may be. Um, and Roman is taken away by the Daleks. And then this is the moment where the Doctor also says, I know the, to the Mavellas, I know the Daleks better than you can ever even imagine. They're actually missing something there about the Rana getting dragged off. She is dragged off to take part in the toughest Dalek game show known to the universe. Which is... Lots of true and false questions going on there. And, uh, you know, a rigorous test of general knowledge. I thought you were going to say it was what if the Doctor was. <laughs> <laughs> Scarrow edition. Oh, no. No, no. It's, it's nowhere near as good as that game is show. Is it nowhere near as good as that? Okay, that's fine. The Daleks do make good hosts, so they're tougher than Paxman, nastier than Anne Robinson, and less handsy than Chris Tarrant. Well... <laughs> Quite, cause, mainly because they've got no hands. Um, yeah. But yeah, because you sit there going, If the Doctor was a chocolate <laughs> bar, which one would they be? So, I've not done that one yet, I'll write that down. Okay, write that down, yeah, 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 that's for next time. When we're all together up in Edinburgh. Um, I think John Barman would be a Curly Whirly. <laughs> yeah. He's not technically a top, but I see, uh, I see, I see where you're going with that. Dan um, Rose in this one would be Tom Baker, Fruit and Nut. <laughs> would, um, I was going to say, is there a boozy chocolate bar? Is the Tom Baker not be something with booze in it? Old Jamaica. Aye, something like that. He <laughs> a soaked in rum. Aye, definitely. I, I'd, um, Peter Davidson would be like a Milky Way. Yeah, something bland and offensive. Yeah, he'd be a Milky Way. Um, Colin Baker would be one of those uh, Cadbury's ones with a popping candy in. I was just about to say, sort of I was yeah, one of the colourful one of the Cadbury's ones that just like go a bit yeah. mental and they're only going to sort of they're only going to put on the shelves for like three years, and then it's going to disappear without a trace. I, I think Capaldi would be dark chocolate. Yeah, Fucking rich and strong, definitely. Yeah, Jodie Whittaker. Jodie would. Jodie No, Jodie Whittaker would be milk tray because all the ladies love. <laughs> Hashtag not my chocolate. <laughs> I, 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 if I can just drag the audience into this at this point, can I just remind the audience that about five or six episodes ago, that the Doctor was was getting a rigorous kicking from these two. But now, oh no, it's a good game show. Mainly Let's play it now. Who's getting a rigorous kicking because one of us had a train to catch? <laughs> <laughs> On that yeah. day. One of us had a train to catch and you wouldn't let it go for about an hour. <laughs> yes. And we were in that bay... Once you start, you have to see it through to completion. In that bay window, in your flat, in direct sunshine. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, episode two. Episode yeah. two, yeah. That, that was that was derailed quietly. Um, they have decided that Romana is uh, no threat to Dalek security after many true or false questionings. Because she is a... Is it Category 9? Category uh, 9 human, I think. Category yeah. 9 humanoid. So she ends, uh, Romana seems to be of the belief that that's her able to just bug her off. And uh, sadly not. They're going to send her for, as my son called it, the worst game of Minecraft ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Romana ends up doing the mine. Um, yeah, that's where it starts to get dark when she's in the mine. Yeah, in more ways than one. Because there's um, 
essentially it would seem to be a case of they don't seem to be doing anything sort of majorly it seems to be a case of they're just there just to dig some gravel up and if they all die then that's fine it's well that seems to be why they're there just to work to death for fun yeah it seems to be just like the daleks think it'll be funny yeah just just move some bricks it'll be all right it'll be grand and uh, if yeah. you die you it's- die Yes, yeah. at this point we find that those unfit for work will be exterminated, so that's probably where Ian Duncan Smith got his inspiration from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've applied for it. You know, At- Atos haven't. Uh, you know, decided that they're fit for work, but they're sadly dead. So um, <laughs> they just get sent down a line to just shift. Bricks, Always a bit of hindrance in the job market, isn't it? A little bit, a little bit of a hindrance. Yeah, when you. Yeah. I, I can see the Daleks going round shouting, "Track and trace, track and trace." I'm just imagining if the Daleks were doing coronavirus testing. <laughs> just coming coming towards you with this massive cotton wool bud on a stick instead <laughs> of the gun. <laughs> on loan from gladiators. Yeah, just try, try to just shove it up your nose. <laughs> this is hurting me more than it is hurting you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, Tell me if it touches the back of your throat. <laughs> I'll need to give it a twizzle. Yeah. Um, wow. Do you think if you survive that, you get a Brave Boy sticker from the Daleks? Oh, totally. Just a little picture I, of a Khaled mutant yeah. smiling. How are they going to put it on you, though? They're no hands. So there's the wee sucker. The wee sucker could just go like that. Just like, Take it on up. Yeah. Smacking the forehead. Smacking the forehead, yeah. Be a bit like Timmy Mallet with his blasters. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Anyway, Romana is sent... I've got here, Romana is sent down to pit... Um, no. Cue the Hovis music, and um, yeah, the the fellow who was originally chasing uh, Romana ends up on the Mavellan ship, and his name is Tyson, and he came here two years ago aboard a starship, and the rest of his crew are pretty much dead or captured by the Daleks, and he's had to survive. Well, he got captured as well, but he ended up escaping, and he's had to survive that way. They decide, obviously, upon hearing this, that the Doctor is, uh, you know, the girl was taken by the Daleks. Uh, the Doctor decides that they need to go and find out where um, she is right here, right now. This is also when the Mavellans and the Doctor end up going down into the sort of first opening bit of the Dalek City, and we have the first um, shootout between a Dalek and a Mavellan. Yeah. Which, obviously, at this point, spoiler alert, we don't know that the Mavellans are androids. Yes. We also don't know that they can seemingly be killed by intense jive dancing. <laughs> I think it's smooth disco. It is a little bit yeah. kind of like... Obviously, the audio is not going to come across very well, but it's very much like... kind of. Like, that you know, kind of, as Tales of the Unexpected. It is a little bit, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly, that, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So I've got here, the Dalek shoots the Mavellan... Uh, they take cover when the Daleks arrive, and it all kicks off. With one of the Mavellans being shot by the Daleks, the Doctor then says, uh, "You know, the Mavellan general guy, whose name escapes me, uh, says that uh, the Doctor can't stick around to uh, see a Mavellan die because it's against their culture. Yeah. Mainly because they need to replace the batteries. At this point, by now Romana's succumbed to the radiation, and they think she's dead. So they've waited till the end of the shift and carried her outside. Yes, the humans have to get rid of all the dead dead. humans. Yes. Um, So she ends up going back out there. Yeah, after a day of digging up and moving rocks, when your friends die, you take them outside and then move some rocks on top of them. Yeah. 
At least like, you'd think it would be to show respect we'll leave them out with the sun on their face because they haven't seen it in months no at least that like you, you know this this job of moving rocks actually has a purpose in that you're kind of burying the dead as best you can whereas moving rocks down in the mines just seems to be just let's kick a few rocks around just so we yeah, can she died, become malnourished she died what she loved getting covered in rocks yep getting covered in rocks um, that's what she would have wanted yep the Dalek um, mission is apparently almost complete so we need luckily yep and uh, in a room in a dark dark room down some dark dark stairs <laughs> in a dark dark Dalek city a, a dusty Davros lived so yeah there's there's a very very dusty Davros and uh, the doctor uh, they end up finding uh, in the middle of this Dalek city uh, Davros is rusting away somewhere in a corner and uh, he's somewhat lifeless when we first see him but uh, as another shootout proceeds, we find that Davros moves his hand and wakes up. I think it's quite a good Davros reveal. Well, when you say that, it's kind of guilty of what we were talking about in the previous episode, that the cliffhangers kind of slightly undercut. I mean, that should have been a big reveal. That's Davros back in after about four years. It's not even the cliffhanger. It's kind of almost revealed as an aside. Yeah. It's like, we've walked in this room, oh, there's Davros. Is okay, something else more dramatic's going to happen, but it's just Davros, is, it's fine. Is We're the cliffhanger know that he moves? Yeah, his hand twitches. Yeah, because uh, he, you think when you originally see him, he's covered in cobwebs, and it's obviously that he's been forgotten about for a long, long time. He's not had any the, the luxury of being frozen like he was at the start of uh, Resurrection. But he's... Um, it's more the fact that, oh, he's actually alive and able to, you know he's going to be part of this kind of idea that's probably more your cliffhanger than the actual reveal of Davros I still think it could be a little bit more drama put into it I mean this is kind of part of the problem with this story there's a lot of scenes that should be exciting that just don't have any urgency at all early on in this episode when the Daleks are coming and you know there should be a panic and a big rush to get to safety but then it just turns out a very very casual stroll back to the escape shaft yeah it's do you think it's maybe the direction at fault here, or...? See, I've read that the return of Davros is an okay cliffhanger, but there's not much imminent danger to it. Because mm. he is slowly waking up. It's not like his eyes suddenly snapped open or suddenly the lights came on. It was a gentle little move. Like, you could go back in and kill him with a rock if you wanted to. It wasn't actually a threat yet. No, and as, as we'll see in a minute, it's a while before he is actually a threat, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, he's very much... Yeah. I know what you mean about the whole cliffhangers and it's it does veer very much the story on the cautious and the steady hmm. and if slow you, and plodding well if you're being polite then yeah it's slow and steady if you're being very impolite Mr Cummings then uh, it would be um, yeah plodding <clears throat> I would say yes. in, in a positive side of that as I'm here to put the positive forward it's certainly as I've said gives the story a lot of time to breathe and you don't miss any details obviously when we did Resurrection uh, a couple weeks ago that ends up being in this sort of mishmash boiling pot of various Dalek forces and various you know confusing bits of the story not quite getting finished off whereas this is quite straightforward there's you know not a lot can go wrong with this story because it is fairly simply based and uh, you get a lot of time to breathe it in there, there is an argument that could be put that it goes too far in the other direction from Resurrection. In that it's Which came after slow. it, but yes. <laughs> well, yeah. 
Timey-wimey. <laughs> Timey-wimey nonsense. Yeah, it is quite slow in plodding. It, they don't throw a lot at it. There, there could be more. There could have been loads of twists and turns that they just didn't do. There, wa- there wasn't a lot of drama. There was a lot of fact stuff, but there wasn't a lot of drama in it. Romana dies! And they go, oh yeah, she's dead now. Put her outside later. Next scene. There's no big anything in any of the scenes. Oh look, Davros is back. Fair Would enough. it have been better if you could have convinced, and I forget her name now, the previous woman that played Romana? Mary Tam. Mary Tam, that was it. If you could have convinced Mary Tam to do like the first episode of this, and then up until the point that Romana dies, and Romana regenerates when she comes at the mine. See, that would have been good. If they could have, you know, obviously they wouldn't have been able to do it, but if, you know, they haven't, obviously. But if they, she could have regenerated under a big pile of rocks, and then that would have been the end of one of the episodes, is Romana suddenly getting up out of these rocks, kind of as a completely different person. And if you didn't know yeah. that, you know, she could regenerate as well. But apparently she can do that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she could just multiple choose multiple times. Wants. Yeah, without destroying the It would have been much more satisfying way for it to happen rather than just, you know, trying on bodies like Flex coats suits. and ah, shit. Yeah, it's like suits, yeah. If you're going to look back at it now and do that way, then yeah, that would probably be the best way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I hold on, I've got a cat here. <laughs> Are you stopping there? <laughs> Raul making his guest appearance for the second week in the row at the same juncture. And he's... It's all a bit of timing. And we're... Hold on, we're settling. He's... Yeah, we're moving round. And he's... Yeah, there we go. We're going to settle there. Thanks, cheers. He's right. on the lap. There we go. We're on the lap. Right. So, um... Aye. So, that's your end of episode Full two. evil genius mode. I like it. <laughs> yes. There we go. Hello. You can't quite see him, can you? Here we go. No, okay. I'm not moving. It's fine. You don't have to dig your claws in your gate. There we go. Right. Where were we? Sorry, I was interrupted. That's okay. Uh, towards the uh, end of episode two. Yeah, we'd largely finished the episode two. We were talking about the cliffhanger. Yes. And the fact that there wasn't much energy in it. Yeah, there's a kind of... I think if we're being polite, I would describe it as low-key. And I think if they'd have known maybe when they filmed this that it was going to run unopposed against ITV and they were going to get upwards of, like, you know, 13 million viewers. they may, I mean, there was, I imagine there was a lot of people at the time this was maybe their first exposure to Doctor Who. Probably, yeah. Possible, yeah. Um, and, you know, would they have carried on watching it when ITV got back up and running? Who knows? So, so you think that the way this was done was almost a deliberate attempt by the BBC to not make it successful? No, I'm just Let's saying, I, I think, really had, had they known it would be like, you know, kind of going, oh, we're going to run out of the they maybe would have had something maybe a little bit more uh, accessible and, 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 and fast-paced, maybe. But obviously, this would have been filmed, what, six months previous, so... Yeah, yeah. well before the strike. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So they couldn't do that, sadly. But, yeah, it is oh, erring on the side of caution, perhaps a little bit too much. I think, yeah, you're right. If they'd thought about it and known this was going to happen, they would have made it more accessible. Yeah, they would have put up against something. I mean, you're saying that ITV were off the air for ten weeks? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so for the most part, almost would, three months. I yeah. imagine they would have had the story after this would have had unopposed as well. Well, this is a series. I mean, what comes up immediately after this? Let me turn and have a look at my DVD. City of Death is after this, which really held a record. I think it still holds a record for the most viewers for a single episode of Doctor Who, I think. Let me just... Bring Wikipedia up, I'll tell you exactly, because I think it's somewhere at about 18 million that uh, wow. City of Death got. It's some ridiculous amount. 
I mean, that was the case across the board with a lot of BBC programmes at the time. Like Morecambe and Wise were getting about 26. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I imagine every single BBC. Over 16 million yeah. for the fourth episode of City of Death. Yeah, uh huh. So, probably, yeah, a bit double, ever. probably about double what they were normally getting at the time, I would imagine. Ah, yeah. Okay. Because City of Death would have obviously had the draw of It's in Paris kind of idea. You know. Yeah, as a season opener, that probably would have been a more sensible choice with sort of hindsight or yeah, knowing what's going to come with the strike. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Say of Death also has John Cleese in it. It does, yeah. It does, yeah, for like 10 and, seconds. And uh, Bill and Abron. Yeah. Yep. I remember that. Um, anyway. It's one thing there's really in this in this whole set of episodes that we're doing. There's no guest stars. Not any names, anyway. No. Like, there's people that you think, oh, I think I've seen them in something else, but there's no, that's who that is. Mm-hmm. Which is relatively unusual, almost. Yeah, and this series as well, because I think later on we've got things like Horns and Nime, and it's got Graham Crowden in it, who uh, I'm sure he was in a couple of sort of well-established series at this point. But there's another thing you think they might have done, if they'd known it was going up unopposed, they would have put something with a known face in it. Yeah, put like some stops to really sort of boost the ratings. Yeah. 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 Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but, you know. Yeah, I might need to drive 30 miles to check if that's what <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's what I'd recommend doing. Um, totally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's us at the end of episode two. So we're halfway through. And, um, okay. Yeah, we've established what's... The, the setup is that we're going to have some more Velen versus Dalek rumbles. Um, the Doctor's going to obviously try and get in between everything. At the moment, spoiler warning, the Velen seem to be on the good guy side completely. But that might change later on. And, obviously, there's uh, all the people on Scarra who end up getting shoved down a mine to work doing to pit. Mm. William Hartnell wouldn't be chocolate, he'd be like a mint humbug or something. <laughs> Definitely would not be dark chocolate. No. He wouldn't stand for that. Not at all. No, 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 no. He'd be a very, very tasteless apple. Yeah. <laughs> Chris- not even a Granny Smith. Chris- an unknown brand apple. Christopher Eccleston would be something like Fairtrade, Definitely. <laughs> On yeah. that point, should we take a half-time break? <laughs> I'm thinking it's heading that way. <laughs> well, let's go and recharge our drinks, uh, come back for episodes 3 and 4, uh, but before we do that, a word from our sponsors. Wow. Oh yeah, is, sponsors. It, is it the Scottish Sun? <laughs> it's not the Scottish Sun. Damn, that phone call I did didn't work then. Do you like it? Do I like it? I love it. Is it really a prime computer? Do you know about them? Know about them? I've seen them on Gallifrey in the constellation of Casterberus. Ha ha! At last, I'm up to date. Would you like to be introduced? Hmm? It's terribly interactive. Interactive? You mean immediate response? Immediate. Okay, Prime. How long's my scarf? It's not that impressive. What? In seven computer languages and five protocols. Protocols? Yes. That's how it talks to other computers. It talks to other computers? Well, of course it does. It's a prime. You're going to be all right, kid. Episode three, so let's crack on. Episode three, then. Okay. Um, am I 
going on droning on with this. If one. you want to carry yeah, on, go for it. Yeah, I, I think we kind, of, yeah. we kind of had an unofficial rule that the defence would sort of lead through the story, wasn't it? Uh, it's kind of, it goes that way, yeah. every week. It's fine. Aye. So, um, a flexible format. and the Doctor have uh, have a little bit of a chit chat because Davros has obviously woken up, and then the Doctor is um, having to sort of like explain roughly what's going on with the situation. And um, there then proceeds to be the most terrible game of Pac-Man ever, as um, the Doctor really essentially just up wheels Dal- Davros through the entire the corridors of this underground Dalek city, trying to find somewhere where they can get out uh, that has wheelchair access. Uh, it's a bit Benny Hill almost. It is a little yeah, bit, yeah. I, I, I kind of joked to that. I watched this with Kyle, and I kind of joked that you know if they had the Benny Hill music up and running. Then this would be quite funny, and then he turns. Did they make half an attempt at that though with the John T. music being played over the yeah, top? Yeah, there's a bit of a weird kind of like thing going on. Kyle did point out that there seems to be some rando black curtain above the doorway of the room where they found Davros originally, and he's like, kind of, he kind of looked at me and went, "Is that Dalek's grotto?" Nice. Do you have the small children queue up and tell Davros what they want for Christmas? <laughs> have you been a good psychotic mutant this year? Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> like going, go, we would like world domination and, <laughs> and a bite. <laughs> Why don't you just come in and sit on Davros? Just, just sit next to Davros. <laughs> sit next to Davros, yeah. No, don't cry while we take the photo. I know he's a bit scary and he's got cat's arses for eyes. But, you know, only one of you should be weeping at a time. <laughs> This is not going to traumatise you in the slightest. So yeah, uh, the Davros Grotto I've got here, yeah. Um, it ends up being that they have to kind of double back on themselves and barricade themselves in the room that they started at anyway. Um, yeah. So we then get the Davros line of, do you believe your puny efforts can stop destiny? Which is quite a powerful thing. Davros seemingly wants to upgrade the Daleks so that they can actually win the war against the Mavellans and then wreak havoc upon the rest of the uh, universe. The Mavellans at this point work out that the Daleks are near Davros and are near to finding him. Whilst they may have barricaded up this room and are hiding within, and think that they're hidden, there's a Dalek patrol actually finds the footsteps in the, the dust and the grit along the floor that lead to yeah, a blank It's quite hole. a high level of technology. It like does. other Daleks are meant to be machined, it's like, let's switch the infrared mode. It does get a little it's bit Terminator 2, I have to admit. There's a little bit, you know, can you imagine that if a Dalek was into the... Yeah. Give me your boots, your jacket, and your motorcycle. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not get one from Santa. <laughs> so I must take yours. Yeah. Now, can we discuss the, the Doctor and Davros and their scenes together in this? Which I will put forward a little thing here. That they are probably the best scenes of the Doctor and Davros having just a sort of one-to-one conversation together that we won't get topped until The Magician's Apprentice. Well, the field is pretty narrow. There's only two more Davros stories after this until we reach that point. Yeah. Uh, there, there is quite a lot of acting in these scenes. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily good acting, but there's a lot of it. Well... Can I also put forward that this is a much better performance of Davros than Terry Malloy did in Resurrection? Ooh, right, okay. That's Let's it. stoke the fires. I've waited till episode three. I've dropped the bomb. Here we go. 
<laughs> all or nothing, baby. <laughs> it, it's at least a shoutier performance. Well, no, it's it's it seems Davros is a calculating bastard, and in Resurrection, he's essentially just a petulant, shouty child. I would put this that this is Davros played by Obama, whereas the Resurrection Davros is played by Trump. <laughs> So you're saying is that two weeks ago you were pro-Trump. <laughs> I was defending. Well, you know, it's best pals with the sun. It does make it does make sense, it doesn't does, it? Yeah. 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 Go down that path. Make yeah. America Next. somewhat tolerable again. I don't know. <laughs> that was yeah. a master. Yeah. He's Roger Delgado in disguise. Exactly. So, um, and remember, everyone, tune in for the next episode where Cameron says that Piers Morgan has a point. <laughs> Somewhere on him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, w- I would say this performance of Davros is better than Terry Malloy's in Resurrection because it is it's... more considered and it's put far more across that Davros is essentially a scheming old witch rather than just it's a still very shouting boy. It, yeah, but it's not as kind of obvious and blatantly he's not like shouting at the end of every single sentence you know it's not like you know every single point of um, talking about Dalek future plans has to be bellowed at the top of his lungs However, but you see for me Davros in my head is always cold and calculating and yeah fine he's angry but he's not out of control angry and Davros in this and resurrection seems almost rage filled and not in control but this is a more nuanced performance than Resurrections was. We're not here to talk about Resurrection. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm giving you a comparison. I'm giving you a comparison. And that's there what are a lot of performances in this that are far more nuanced than anything in Resurrection. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes. Almost every single performance in this is somewhat more nuanced. Yeah, it's it's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm glad you agree, Judge. Talking talk of nuanced performances, should we get on to the uh, bit where the Doctor is strapping explosives to Davros and the Daleks, in an attempt to try and drive him out, start executing the slaves? Yes. Darkness. Because if we're going for nuanced performances, I think we should draw attention to the slave that's brought forward for execution. And it seems very, very amused at the prospect of his imminent demise. Yeah. It's, it's so much that it can hardly keep the smirk off his face when he's been down a mine for so long he's seeing like you know some form of sunlight for the first time in forever he's smiling at that idea of oh look the outside world and then he gets shot and then he dies but at least he saw you know he he wanted to see the sun suns however many are outside scarlet always about the sun it's always about the sun (laughs) yeah scottish or otherwise not the english sun they ignored us so yeah, yeah yeah that's why he has a little grin on his face so i'm just putting that there Okay. Yeah. Your, your point has been noted. Okay. Good, good, but, good, good. But it is, again, quite a dark thing. Like, we've got a Mexican standoff. All right, we're just going to start offing randoms then. Yeah, it is a bit, it's, it's, it's a very it's a very Dalek thing to do, isn't it? It's quite a good, you know, as far as the Daleks go, they are essentially, as we've discussed before, space Nazis. And uh, they just like executing random innocent people to um, get a point across. It's not really very logical, though. How so? Because we're going to execute people from a different race to the Doctor, mm-hmm. who he's never met and has no emotional connection with, 
just so that he doesn't harm somebody that we have an emotional connection with. But is he not just against the Daleks just randomly killing per se? It doesn't really matter who it is. He doesn't have to have an emotional investment with the victims. But but from their point of view, it's not very logical. Because he's got no reason to stop them killing. Yeah, but I think the Doctor the has, whole, will have seen... The whole seen... problem with this is the logic. Because the Daleks are very logical. And the whole point is they can't understand illogical actions. And there's no logic in them killing their own prisoners as leverage against somebody else. There's going to be plenty of prisoners, though, and plenty of minors. And as we've already established, they seem to be doing some random pointless job. Yeah. It's not as if they need the prisoners anymore to do anything. No, because they're going to leave Scarrow with Davros anyway. So, yeah, so they might as well just um, use them as sort of collateral. They may as well have just picked them up and lobbed them at them. Yeah, but they might have survived that. Yeah. Yeah, for now, it just seemed like very weak leverage to use against somebody but in that situation though you've not got much else you know and if you know that the doctor is like a sentimental creature who will go no we don't want any more killing regardless of who they might be killing then he he won't want to witness that amount of death from 15 feet away you'd think they could shoot him in the head yeah but he's hiding that's a whole by the by he's kind of hiding behind Davros though isn't he so they have to be very very careful in the aim it's probably quite easy for Tom Baker to hide behind somebody who's sitting down in a chair. Yeah, it is. He kneels down. You know. Does a wee bit of squatting. Yeah. So, you know, Tom Baker takes the knee. That's what it does. and lives matter. Gallifrey. <laughs> don't, don't call this episode hashtag Gallifrey and lives matter. Oh, <laughs> Do you know what? It's certainly balanced. It's either cats, horses for eyes or Gallifrey and lives matter. <laughs> Oh dear. Hashtag Tom takes a knee. But, um, yeah, the doctor asks Davros why he survived. And uh, Davros says, I cannot have the luxury of death. Uh, which, once again, I like Davros's lines in this. It's really good. The Dalek store then. The Dalek has a bomb. He's going to drop it down, the da- uh, down Davros's trousers. I think, I think the prosecution are going to come in there. What were you going to say, Dave? I can't remember now. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's get uh, on. Play. I started reading my notes again and I was going to say something. I can't remember where I was because I was listening to Cameron. I was listening to the defence, as I should be. You sure are, you are, yes. Um, Fair enough. Proceed. The doctor has to lay down some conditions for them not shooting prisoners anymore. So they want them to release all the prisoners and no one's to come into this room until he leaves through the somewhat conveniently placed open gap behind them. And this is the moment where Davros says that his logic is impaired by sentiments but the bomb is actually remote so the doctor can actually explode it via the sonic screwdriver so he can scarper and then just detonate Davros anytime he wants I've got here down here Davros is just about to break into a Vera Lynn number because he does say we'll meet again <laughs> he does uh, I've got hashtag we'll meet again right in my notes yep and then uh, the bomb is removed from Davros but it does take out two Daleks who seem to have to combine and sucker it on both sides and then drag it away into a corner somewhere so Davros survives and again it's really quite dark yeah the doctor escapes goes fuck it I'm gonna blow him up anyway yeah the doctor who doesn't use guns but nothing ever said about nothing was ever said about bombs Dave remote explosives those don't count remote explosives otherwise it's like we've yet to see the doctor's opinion on fibre wire (laughs) (laughs) yeah we won't use guns but throwing knives those are cool yeah if the Doctor was to play Hitman, he would be a fibre wire guy. <laughs> Definitely a fibre wire guy. But I'm telling you, he wouldn't He wouldn't be ghosting Miami. 
Anyway, right, so, that makes no sense unless you played Hitman 2. <laughs> Never mind. I played better. Right? As if this podcast wasn't niche enough. Yeah, niche enough. We're going to talk about games as well. Um, Wrestling, Newcastle United, no computer games. Newcastle United, <laughs> art galleries, old computer, well, not old computer games. Well, the Pubs of Carlisle. The Pubs of Carlisle. Yeah, there's a podcast in that somewhere. You just have to come down and experience them all. We, we, I would recommend the actress to the bishop, by the way, for the good pubs. Anyway, da- Davros then reels away with the Daleks and wants the Daleks to tell them all about the past battles so they can learn from them and devise a plan going forward. The Mavellans are going to destroy the planet uh, also once they get their uh, the new, obje- uh, new objective, which is the Doctor. And I've got down here, the Doctor finds some putty. Some rather disturbing foul body part slash embryo slash whatever just hanging around. Yeah, just... it's not even hanging around. He's hiding from a Dalek and puts his hand in a hole and yep. then pulls out a dead thing. Yep. Which may, helps him come to a conclusion and then he disrespects the corpse. Yeah, he does. He just throws it against the wall. There is something a little bit uh, brutal going on here, definitely. The doctor, the great pacifist who tries to blow up Davros and 20 minutes later tries to stave in a Galen Mutant's head. Yep, mm. pretty much. The hero. Movellans lay down a device for a testing, which is basically a big glass tube. And it is a bomb which can essentially make all the molecules in the surrounding area flammable. So it will essentially burn the entire planet within a few seconds. Tyson catches up with the Doctor on the overground. They get found by a Dalek, which is then blown up by a passing Mavellan. But the Mavellan then tries yeah. to take the Doctor and Tyson as the prisoner. Um, we then get a name for the bomb, it's the Nova device. Not just for a niche joke on a podcast. Not the natural Nova device, as I've put down here. <laughs> um, nice. Scottish football, might as well just put the niche casserole in there. Add it to the pile. Add it to the pile, it'll be fine. And they end up, in order to draw the Doctor out, they put Romana in this massive test tube thing so they can destroy her. It's not that massive. She's kind of squeezed in it. She's a little bit squeezed in it. And I I, I hope it wasn't a hot day, because she might have been a bit uncomfortable. Romana's going to get killed in the the Nova device, which is a nice little cliffhanger to end episode 3 with. It's quickly set up, which is kind of a rarity in this story, that anything is quickly set up. And um, we now know that the Mavellans have a little bit of a heel turn going on in the fact that they are not quite the good force that we thought they were going to be. There's a bit more of a sort of um, dimension to them. Earlier in this episode, because we can see that Romano wants to leave the Mavellan ship, and they basically block the door and say, no, we think you should stay, little girl. Stay. And before the cliffhanger, we do find out that they're androids as well. Oh, of course, yeah, we do. Ah, yeah, because get a big reveal there. there there's, um, yeah, it, it, as we say, it dies by interpretive dance, and then Tom Baker, being Tom Baker, goes instantly for the lass's chest. And um, is yeah, any excuse for Tom to rip open a woman's top? Any yeah. any excuse for blouse removal, and um, there, therefore, uh, there's uh, wires and everything like that, and. Um, it's not quite as um, upfront as a Android revealing, say, Fort of Doomsday, but never mind. We'll forgive it that. This is when we draw Fort of Doomsday next, and I have to defend giant frogs <laughs> or something like that. But anyway, yeah, I like the cliffhanger in this because, as I say, it's quickly set up, it's snappy, and it gets across the fact that the Mavellans aren't quite the sort of goody two shoes we maybe thought they were going to be. Because there's a tendency maybe to think that, oh, they're against the Daleks, they must be ultra good guys. Not so much. 
It's also got the imminent danger in the cliffhanger. You know that if nothing happens, she's dead. Romana's dead again. Yeah, <laughs> she she is quite underused in this story. She's at least gets more to do than say some of the companions in the Peter Davidson era. Um, yeah. But I know what you mean. There's a fair bit of um, she's the one often put in peril. Like I don't think that at any point the Doctor really actually goes looking for her when they're separated. He starts he to walk in the first episode Tyson, and then he's distracted no, 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 by information. No, 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 Tyson tells her that the, the Daleks took the girl and then he yeah. instantly forms a plan to go in and get her. And so then he has gone and got her and slightly episode. more interesting. He gets distracted. We have to remember at this point that she's not technically a new character, really. It's a new actress playing the same part. And so. originally... The doctor. He knows he can already trust Romana yeah. to look after herself. She is, she is kind of his female equivalent. She is a hmm. sort of time lord as well. She is from Gallifrey. He does know that she can kind of look after herself. And also, I would put forward the fact that in the key of time, right at the start, he doesn't even really want her there. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of that maybe coming through as well. So there's a slight element of kind of like a kind of blase kind of attitude to her. There's a reason for it being that way. Yes, I'm just saying it is that way. She doesn't really get used much in the story. And when she is in peril, he doesn't really give a fuck, largely. And it may be because he trusts her and he has faith in her, but it kind of removes from us being worried about her as viewers when we see that the Doctor isn't worried about her and that she isn't really used for much. She she runs back and forth a lot. She does, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, so... she gets put in a box, but that's... Are you suggesting that the audience would only live vicariously through the Doctor's actions? No. I'm saying that he is the focal point of the story. It is named after him. So the viewers kind of see things from his point of view. And from his point of view, Romana doesn't matter. What's more interesting is the Daleks, Stavros. So the Doctor just ignores it. Okay. Okay. I would say that the audience would have more of a investment in... Romana's survival than you're maybe giving them credit for. The Doctor might not be of an interest to it, but I say the audience would not wish this obvious main character, who's been in a whole season before, uh, to die. The character has, but the actress hasn't. So we should develop some affection for the actress playing the character, much like when there's a new Doctor in a regeneration. She is our new face to get used to. That's where Matthew Waterhouse went wrong. For me, anyway. Yeah, too much Hardwick. So... Yeah, she's underutilised as a new actress. I'll put it that way. Okay, okay, okay. Are we ready for episode four? Last and final. Let's go to episode four, yeah. Okay, because what time we are? I'll, I'll drink to that. Okay. The bomb doesn't go off, because the Mavellans merely wanted the Doctor's attention. So there was not really an intention to kill Romana. Which I have put down here does mean that the machine Mavellans have at least some kind of consciousness. And that they didn't yes. automatically think, oh, kill this, blah. They, one of them kind of broke rank with the programming and went, actually, this is a better idea. It's just to bring it's him out. It's more logical, yeah. not actually set the bomb off. Yeah, exactly. Davros is trying to hail a taxi, but it'll be six hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that confirms that Davros travels by Southern Rail. Yes, exactly, yeah. Every moment we remain on Scarrow leaves us open to attack, he says. 
but also, as you said, it's six hours. It's not 180 rails or anything like that. Yeah, it's... I remember, yeah, because I was texting you guys during this or messaging you, wasn't it? I was like, kind of going, I yeah. thought, yeah. this. I, I didn't know if this was the only time the Daleks referred to minutes. Because I always thought it was rails. I never knew them talking about minutes there's, before. Yeah, there's a lot of rail use in stories before and after. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, kind of going, is this just a mistake? Or is this just something that... And, and the thing is, it's Davros to Dalek. It's not Davros to human or anyone else to human. It's Dalek no, to Davros. There's no human involvement in this conversation at all. They're talking yeah. about how long is it going to be? Oh, this amount of hours. And it felt a bit jarred yeah. the fact they're not saying, oh, it's 35 rels or something like that. It will be 27 rels. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, it's definitely an anomaly because it definitely goes back as far as the Hartnell period. Yeah. And I mean, I'm it sure there, they're talking, this. like in Remembrance of the Daleks, it's definitely Rells. Yeah. 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 So I was a bit like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's almost a glaring production error. One might think, one might think. The Doctor and Romana are aboard the uh, Mavellan ship. Oh, no, we get, sorry, we get Davros's quote because they tell him that there's, um, he, he's trying to ascertain who was in charge while he was away. And this is yes. the, Probably one of the first mentions of the Supreme Dalek. I would imagine so. Yeah. So yeah, and it's um, so it's Davros has the wonderful line of Supreme Dalek. This is a title I will dispute most vigorously, which I think was quite cool. Davros gets a lot of cool lines in this. I like that. It does. Yeah. The Mavellans are gonna lift off in 37 minutes. So if you compare that to Davros's six hours, it's obvious that they've called an Uber. Um, yeah, so, or they're just willing to pay Sarge Pricing, he's not. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So, um, the Mavellans established that in order to set off the bomb and defend it from the Daleks, possibly deactivate it, one of the Mavellans has to stand by the bomb as it goes off. Yeah. Acknowledging and it's the, the one that points it out. Yeah, so they're like, kind of going, oh, you've pointed this out. Oh, well, you'll be doing that then. Well done, you, Nigel. Off you go. Oh god, now I've got we're only making plans for Nigel in my head. Not disco. We're only making plans, plans for my villains. <laughs> we're only making bombs for Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> we just watched it blowing him. Anyway, um That's the intro music sorted out for this episode. Oh, that'd be amazing. I'll I'll have a little dance to that around my kitchen. Um so we've got Alright, six music listener. <laughs> It's like kind of going, uh, so we've got the You Race of Robot. Actually, the only reason I know that song is because Pitch Shifter covered it in the 90s. Oh, oh. That's good. We don't talk about that. Okay. Um, Pitch Shifter, there was a band. They were cool. Anyway, so we've got one robot, uh, one race of robots fighting another. They've took off, they, they've kind of reached this impasse in a battle and the fact that they have two logical battle computers that are each kind of like can't outwit the other because they're following too much logic. So whatever yeah. whatever the other one decides to do, the opposition have already predicted that's going to happen. Which is why they haven't actually fired a shot for years. Yeah, exactly. So it's this war that just this kind of like tense standoff for ages. It's, like, it's a cold war. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's your destruction, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So um, Davros realised that they're fighting machines. Uh, the Daleks want Davros to reprogram the battle computer so they can have a an advantage of some kind and program some kind of extra logic in there so that they can actually get one step ahead 
We then engage in what possibly might be the longest game of rock, paper, and scissors in the history of mankind and elsewhere. <laughs> and that, that, um, that is quite. It goes on a long time. Um, it's not exactly what you would call a good evening had by all. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. But the Doctor's basic point is the fact that you can stand forever and essentially just, you know, always cancel each other out. So they now worked out they're stuck. So the Mavellans want the Doctor to reprogram their battle computers so that they can gain an advantage. So essentially we're into some war games Matthew Broderick territory here. Yeah. Where it's... So the, diff- the difference is tic-tac-toe you can have a draw with no winner. Yeah. And you can wear rock, paper, scissors but eventually somebody's going to win eventually someone should win yeah by pure chance the Mavellan who's outside guarding the bomb finds Tyson who's pretending to be dead and then he isn't he, he plays possum he leaps up and he's followed by all the other prisoners that have been released and they disco dance that dude to death and um, do, we, do we know how they disco dance him to death like is there ever any I don't know if it's a yeah, well. Well, yeah. they have to remove the kind of battery pack, which seems to be around the belt, but it kind yeah. of results in this kind of kind of beat going on. It's a very sort of Kelly Marie style of death, isn't it? It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a jive going on. It's, That's fine. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's heart beats like a drum until it doesn't. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that in my head. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The Daleks have now worked out that the Mavellans will actually take off soon and leave them there. And I have put down here that this is kind of boiling down to who can reboot a computer the quickest. So it's boiling down to that. So well, that's largely what happens with Davros earlier in the episode. Davros needs an update. Yep. So he stares at Crystal Ball while he gets his update. He does. Which um, I've discovered in the last couple of days, by the way, is the same Crystal Ball that's in Keeper of Traken. Is it? Yeah, the thing that they plug into the um, computer and keep it a track and to actually like get Melka out of it is uh, it's exactly the same prop. Nice. Because we a, a couple of nights later, Kyle wanted to watch Keep It a Track and again, and I looked up and kind of went, oh yeah, that is exactly the same. That kind of like white ball <laughs> thing. It's exactly the same prop. So anyway, well, given the lack of a BBC budget at this time, there's some help we used to recycle Probably, some of these yeah. old costumes and Romana's yeah. regeneration scenes at the beginning. Yep, exactly. But being like robots exactly. of death and so on. So, you know, um, scrimping a saving. We then have a lot of Mavellans getting disco danced to death, and the Mavellans in the ship realise that the guy who's patrolling the bomb isn't responding anymore, so they have to send people out to check on it before they go away. Yeah. Um, Davros then goes completely mental suicide bomber on us. By attaching a load of bombs to various Daleks and telling them it's basically for the good of the Dalek Empire and their deaths will go down in infamy. And they'll probably. It's incredibly fascistic. It is. Like, it is. It's dark. It's dark stuff. It's a bit like they're gonna, they're gonna kill themselves, but they'll be end up in heaven where there will be 27 Dalek virgins to tend to their every need. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, but the prisoners. Are, uh, end up marching to reprogram Mavellan's back onto the Mavellan ship and there's a bit of a shootout that goes on there 
which if you put some music over the top of it would be probably just you know looking like some ABBA concert so the, uh, apart from the close-ups of the dead prisoners yeah apart mean. from the dead people on the ground yeah that's it but, um, yeah, that was their that was their fucking final difficult album yeah exactly yeah 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 tried to get far too hard but they have one desire and that's to dance until they drop um so anyway we're just going to carry on with the music references now aren't we <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, just gonna burn that disco down. Yep, that's the one. Bring <laughs> the spectre of shed seven into this podcast. <laughs> so I'm having flashbacks to York now. Oh Christ! Um, so there's now a situation where the you're gonna have bomb-loaded Daleks going across this battlefield towards all these prisoners who are now gonna try and defend the Mavell ship. And I've got down here shooting commences. The Nova device is going to be set off by a lone Mavellan, uh, but then Romana Fullscale wrestles it. So she kind of like carries on and kind of stops the Mavellan from detonating the bomb. Yeah. By seemingly full... Yeah, she, she pulls its arm off. She does, yeah. She kind of full Nelsons it completely. It's kind of like quite impressive. The Doctor ends up back on the in the Dalek City in the lab talking to Davros again, and there's one other Dalek there. And the Doctor then flings his hat onto the Dalek's eye stock so it can't actually see what it's doing and shoots randomly. Um, yeah. Because that's what you do when you're generals in the room You just and you can't see, you just got to shoot randomly and hope for the best. Yeah, your creator and God. Your creator and God, yes. That's when you get Tom Baker who then decides to shove a Dalek into a cupboard and watch it explode with the wonderful yeah. Bye bye! quote. So yeah, Doctor Davros pushes the button, the Dalek explodes, and um, the Doctor then entertains Davros in the next scene with Nelly the Elephant. Because it's by now all over, and uh, Davros has obviously been somewhat neutralised by the fact that the plans have gone slightly awry, the Daleks have been destroyed, and um, before freezing him for, as we've discovered in the last episode, the 90 years, uh, Davros has to put up with the Doctor's... Um, Nelly the Elephant logic puzzles. So I've got down here, Davros gets frozen like a chocolate magnum. The Mavellan... Sh- the Doctor was an ice cream. If the Doctor... If Davros was an ice cream, what would he be? He'd probably be a feast, because they're quite knobbly. And then uh, we... Well, Baker would be a rocket. We... Uh, yeah, exactly. Then the Romana and the Doctor clear the rubble from the TARDIS. And we... Uh, he concludes that if you make mistakes, you win the battle. Because that's what broke that logic cycle. We needed to make a mistake to win a battle. And they all trip off home, off to France, for City of Death. Okay then, so shall we start summing up then? I think we'll probably start summing up, yeah. That's covered the main points of the episode. So, uh, Cameron, do you want to start summing up the uh, case for the defence? I am going to sum up the case for the defence for Destiny of the Daleks. In that, um, as I've said sort of previously before... Destiny of the Daleks is a slow burn story which we don't often get a chance to experience in these days of 45 minute run times and needing all the download figures off iPlayer. It's a much better portrayal of Davros in this than it is in Resurrection. There's no bawling and shouting, well not as much, but there's just pure cold logic. The Davros in this is a much better, um, you know, it suits the Davros character a lot better than uh, Resurrection maybe did. Uh, the Mac- uh, the Mavellans are certainly unique in design. It's nice to see another alien force equal to the Daleks. 
that isn't kind of Gallifreyan. You know, it's nice to see there's someone else out there who wants to basically take the Daleks on and defeat them. There's a fair bit of this story that sets up for the future. So if you didn't have this as a Doctor Who canon, obviously, as we say, you'd miss out on a lot of resurrection of the Daleks, you'd miss out on a lot of remembrance of the Daleks as well. As in, in a similar vein, it's, a, it's an important milestone in the overall Dalek story in sort of the 70s and 80s kind of period. It's a nice settling in point for the new Romana. Do as we've discussed before, she doesn't get a lot to get her teeth into. There's a lot of that coming further down the line, but at least she manages to be a, sort of in, a good part of the story, and she gets to do a little bit sort of separate from the Doctor. She's not kind of at the Doctor's side and you know by his hip all the time. Uh, she does get to go off and do her own thing. So I think from that point of view, Destiny Dark is not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who for all those points. Dave, sum up the case for the defence. Oh, the prosecution, rather. Well, be the prosecution, thanks. <laughs> so, you've got a companion who, as you've just said, wasn't really a companion for the Doctor. Never next to the Doctor. Off doing her own thing. New actress, new face that we didn't know about, just wandered off. And didn't really have an impact on the story. You say that this has an impact on the Dalek stories after it. The only impact this has is that Davros is a frozen head in a box by the end of it. Apart from that, none of this carries on through any of the further episodes. The setting is, as always, a quarry. (laughs) As you say, you've got this story where the Daleks are robots on one side, except the Daleks aren't robots. They've never been robots. It's a really bad description of what they are. And yes, they're up against a different, newly designed enemy, which is culturally troubling, viewed from here. Fine, it was a different time. But you've got a logical enemy, wrapped entirely in silver, who goes up against the Daleks. I'm I'm glad they came up with something original there, and not at all just the Cybermen in blackface, which is basically what it almost is. (laughs) If the Cybermen had a switch that you could turn them off, that's what this would be. It, it's fine that they didn't use K9, even though it was teased at the start of the episode. It's just because they were filming it in a quarry, and K9 doesn't work in a quarry. That's the only reason they didn't do it. This is slow. Nothing happens in this for what feels like forever. You could get all of this in two episodes, not four. It'd be quite easily done. And this is very, very dark. Like, this is meant to be a show. Yeah, fine, to scare children and entertain and educate them. The only educational stuff in this is logic. And the lesson we're to take away from it at the end is logic doesn't work because you can just fucking do what you want and you'll win. If you don't think about it, it's better. Which isn't really a good educational thing to give kids. And there is so much darkness in every episode of this. You can get captured by the Daleks and they'll work you to death. If they don't work you to death, They'll just shoot you randomly to prove a point and maybe influence somebody else. But that's okay, because they're all going to get fitted with suicide vests anyway and sent out to blow people up. It is dark and not in a fun way. It's not like, oh, we're all going to get taken over. It's just dark. So yeah, that's the prosecution. This is dark. It has no influence on anything else. It's a waste of the new actress as a companion. And it's not even that fun a story. It's not that interesting. Okay, we're going to sum it up in both parts, so let's get to the verdict. So, let's begin by looking at the positives. Destiny of the Daleks is an achievement. An achievement in the sense that it surpasses the androids of Tara as the most flat, disengaging story in Doctor Who history. 
because there's just so there's so many issues here right firstly Terry Nation's script and the story itself we know that when he puts his mind to it Terry Nation can do a cracking Dalek story the Daleks great introduction Dalek invasion of Earth a six part with very little padding exciting expansive story which moves along at a cracking place the chase not going to win any awards for depth and meaning but a whole lot of fun Genesis is a robust attempt at building some Dalek history. But Destiny, oh boy, it's got a lot of a will list do about it. It's got one central idea for the majority of the four episodes, and even then it's paper thin. The Daleks need Darvis because they've run out of ideas. That's writer's art imitating life there, really, isn't it? Almost all of the characters are fully written, especially Romana, which is a crime because this is Lala Ward's first appearance, but she's been getting nothing to do. They may as well have just patted her on the head during episode one and sent her off to make some tea. It's not as if this is some brand new character coming into the series that they haven't constructed fully yet. We've had six stories of Mary Tam providing a blueprint for what can be done. Supporting characters are bland, you don't care for them at all. You know, they just need to move from the plot and nothing else. But the biggest crime here is the production itself, especially the direction. Flat, lifeless, pedestrian, Ken Grieve gets nowhere near getting the best performances out of these actors. Tom's essentially carrying the whole thing by himself because he's the only one that's carrying a bit of injecting a bit of urgency into it, a bit of peril, a bit of personality into the proceedings. It's endless scenes of people strolling about as if they're on a ramble, no sense of menace or high stakes. It's just all plodding. So, and even in the special features of the DVD, Ken Grieve, the director, seems very keen to point the finger in other directions, and yes, he might have a point with regards to the nation's uninspired script, which, let's face it, is probably the likely reason why the Daleks didn't come back for another five years after this. But this story could have been so easily elevated if it had just been directed with one ounce of zeal or zest. The most promising thing you can say in defence of this story, it's a good choice for a passive Doctor Who watch, an episode stick on the background that you don't have to concentrate on too much. So it's in no way engaging, and therefore, it's absolutely, without doubt, guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. Um, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> Genuinely, I'm shocked. I'm not really, to be honest. I, I, that's largely the same as the points of the prosecution. I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna drop my "this is better than Genesis" bomb, but I thought I wouldn't go there. I think it's probably safe to say that, classic series-wise, this is the most underwhelming Dalek, Dalek story of the lot. I'm genuinely hurt. I'm genuinely hurt. <laughs> it's 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 a bridge. It's kind of like this is the Lord of the Rings Two Towers in the trilogy. You know, of the trilogy of like four of them. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Yeah, that, that, that trilogy of four parts. Yeah, that trilogy of four parts. Yep. Well, if Douglas Adams is allowed to have five parts and Hitchhikers in a trilogy, then stick with me. It's the bridge. I think if you take this away, you, 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 the rest crumble. That's if, not what happens with bridges. If you take a bridge away, nothing crumbles. There's just no bridge. The two sides still exist. If you take away that keystone, though, Dave, the whole thing falls down. Oh, it's a bridge. It's a keystone. And people end, up, people end up getting really, really wet. So your justification for Destiny of the Daleks existing is it provides a little pathway into the next episode. I think if you if you took it away, you'd, you're talking about it's the detrimental effect of the rest of the Dalek storyline in the 70s and 80s. But, but it's not, because you could have opened up Resurrection the same way as it's opened up 
we could find out about this as a background story. It, we don't need to see it because it's not that interesting. It could have been two sentences in a scene in Resurrection, and that would have covered it. Well, that's why. Why is Dad was frozen? Oh, Mavellans did it. Ah, oh, fair enough. That would have been enough. Well, then we would have skipped on the Mavellans, actually seeing them. But they never appeared again. Is your, li- so again, is your life this. is your life not enriched for having looked at disco troopers? <laughs> no, it's not. Well, you're, you're no fun. Disco troopers. According to Dave, disco sucks. He's off to burn his vinyl in a baseball stadium somewhere. You leave my Spice Girls vinyl alone. <laughs> it's safe in the attic. Mint condition still sealed. That's right, Cameron. I'm not even joking. I bet it is. I kept that Spice Girls album wiped clean. So what you're trying to say, Lee, is effectively um, you, you just had a mild hint there that it's not guilty. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> um, no, the original verdict stands. Oh, okay. The judge stands by every single word of his statement. So, but you know, whether it's guilty or not guilty in this courtroom is not up to us. As always, it's down to the listeners. So we're going to put up a poll on Twitter after this episode goes out for seven days. You get to decide if Destiny of the Daleks is guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. So we'll get a vote on that and we'll reveal the results in the next episode. And talking about the next episodes, uh, if you go to YouTube, you'll be able to see the envelopes of Justice where we draw episode 26 of the Police Box. And uh, because Cameron, Cameron won yep, one last time, he doing. gets the power of veto, so you get to, the, the power is in your hands for oh, next time. So we'll we'll see power. you. Put yourself in Cameron's hands. <laughs> The fate of WCW is in my hands. Sorry, wrong podcast. Ah, wrong podcast it's by the most successful podcast. That's the, that's the one that yeah. gets mentioned in national papers and gains no listeners as a result. Oh, don't worry. When we get in the national papers, a lot of people will listen. They'll want to see if there's any hints before it happened. Is you know. Yeah, they'll be like, yeah, is there any hint that Dave went to prison? No, not really. The signs were there. They were three nice, easy-going guys. They kept themselves to themselves. Yep. <laughs> Didn't bother anyone. I think that's surprising. Yep. The spacious garden sheds. Personally, I think they're a worthy addition to Barlini. <laughs> now, I'm, that I'm right in thinking that when you get to prison, the first thing you do is blow kisses at the biggest, hardest guy there. Yeah. That, that's how you go to prison. You do. <laughs> Hiya. <laughs> that's just Dave, 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 your life. Walking around Mayfield. Every time you go to local Weverstons. It's a valuable lesson. Right then, so shall we uh, shall we wrap up here? Yes. Yes. Okay. Before we do, I don't want to be one of those podcasts that begs and begs and begs for you know likes. But if, you know, we've noticed we're getting a, we're getting a fair few more listeners now. So if you can give us a like on iTunes or a review on iTunes or retweet whenever we put this episode out, that would be grand because we can drag more people into this sorry sorry mess. So if you can do that, that'd be good. So Shall I start yeah. doing the same thing I do with the Conquista board? Because occasionally when we do shows on the Conquista board, I like retweet it to like, I like tweet it to wrestlers who were on the card at the time, and go, "Hey, listen to this. You were on this card. Retweet this." I'll probably start oh, yes. doing that. Yeah, well, we'll tag in Terry Nation on Twitter. See what he says. Yeah, oh, right there. let's do that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, 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 yeah, but we'll, we'll see if Douglas Adams wants to give us a like on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> So our only options is Tom Baker <laughs> and Lala Morris. Not on Twitter. And Lord yeah. Tom Baker. Should we just go straight to Richard Dawkins? And then yeah, just, we'll, we'll just say Richard Dawkins. Well, can you just tell the wife that we're, we're doing this thing? 
and uh, it would be really great about if... all three of us are atheists yeah know, exactly yeah, yeah yeah right up your street ooh down with god ooh. I, I don't know I do have Satan tattooed on my chest <laughs> I don't know if that counts or not shit genuinely he does Bessie mates Richard Dawkins Delian's got his pals at the sun I thought what Cameron meant was that he's going to constantly mention the Polis box on his other podcast just another way he dropped the Conquistadors it's got his son every five minutes have you not, no, have nice you not listened to any episodes of Conquistadors that is exactly what I do awesome <laughs> and you know what I get told to shut up there as well hey I never told you to shut up that was the judge yeah I think the last quote was uh, Phil saying some of the lines of don't start that blue box nonsense nice <laughs> Which I think is the name of another Doctor Who podcast, isn't it? Blue Box Nonsense? That's, that's true, yeah, Blue Box Nonsense. Well, your words, not mine. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. We're trying to get people on board to do our Trial of Time more specials. Let's not burn our bridges no, now. No, let's not do that. No, no, Wait no, until no. after the recordings. Yeah, how... <gasps> we could get we could get Jordi Allen to do one. Oh. Is now a good time to mention the fact that he does actually watch Doctor Who? Yes. Yes, it is. People from other unrelated podcasts. God. Um... <laughs> It'll depend if the, bo- if the box set for Trial of a Time Lord is in Carlisle Library, then Alan is on board, probably. Look, we can put them in Dropbox. We will flout all the copyright laws on the earth to get Jordy Alon to prosecute or defend one of the Trial of Time Lord's You're stories. assuming he knows how to work a Dropbox. Good point. We can Carry post them a CD. Yeah, pigeon. Just, <laughs> just give it, put the DVD in the claws of a small pigeon and just get him to fly it across. And, or just and send him some grass rubbings. Well. Yeah. You know, go That's with practically lunch. We'll, we'll just get him to set off a flare in his back garden and that'll be where it'll land. There we go. It organises itself, this podcast, doesn't it? It does, it does. Yeah. It, does. it falls into place in the most beautiful way. <laughs> Ugly beautiful. Okay, let's wrap it up there then. Uh, this has been the Pullers Box episode 25. I've been Lee. I've been Dave. And I've been Cameron. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Somewhere, other than that, or they're on fire.